Are you an agent struggling to understand real estate economics? Would you benefit from learning how top agents structure their businesses? Then you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Nerdy Agent Podcast, where we teach you the basic economic and business principles you need to thrive in today's real estate market. I'm your host, Luke Pedersen, with my brothers and fellow nerds, Josh and AJ. What's going on, guys? Hey, uh, you didn't point, but we pointed for you today, so you're welcome for that. I mean, I know, Luke, we were talking beforehand. You know, we got to get some feedback from the listeners on this, but Luke says he doesn't think we're funny, so we shouldn't be funny. But I think AJ and I are just going to try to, you know, amp up the comedy a little bit today. When you become a dad, you just get funnier. Isn't that true? So much funnier. So much funnier. I have to ask you, do you have have a shirt over your shoulder? Can you tell me a little more about this? Josh already knows. It's a rhetorical question. I do know this question, yeah. So it was about four years ago, probably. Yeah, Yeah. Wilmington. When Josh drove the largest suburban vehicle you've ever (laughs) seen him drive before. Half tank, half car. And we were just, we weren't quite... It wasn't time to go to the airport yet. No. And so we need to fill the time. And of course, us Pedersons, we need to fill time. What do we do? Well, it was downpouring too. So oh, sure. we had to go somewhere fun like an arcade. Like the Jungle Rapids Family Fun Park, Luke. <laughs> Ever we, we played, uh, we played, well, what different games did we play? We had the one where you throw the ball and you smash the clowns. That was kind of fun. A lot of clown smashing. Uh, ski ball, all the good stuff. What we'd end up doing is we won so many tickets, we didn't know what to do with it. So instead of buying Skittles... We only had enough tickets for one shirt. <laughs> How many, much money did we spend for this shirt? <laughs> oh, gosh. It was at least $50. Fair this right. is a $50 t-shirt. So I lived in South Carolina at the time. AJ lived in Minnesota. and we've, Look at that detail, though. Like, right? We've, wow. been, we've been trading this shirt back and forth as a memento of our shared experience and love for each other since that day. So I'm giving back to AJ today. I've had it for the last two years. Is it a sleep shirt or, or what is it? Uh, when do you wear this shirt? It's a success shirt. If you're just looking to be successful, mm-hmm. you wear the shirt. Yes. I mean, most people will compliment how it uh, you know supports the physique and makes you look more successful and handsome. That's what we get most it's of the time. 100% cotton, baby. Uh-huh. Yep. So what we're looking for is the listeners to rate that on a scale of <laughs> 1 to 10, how funny that story is, and then From we can choose if we're going to include stories in the future. What percentage of people that, got through that? Do you think anyone <laughs> is still listening? All the people. This is how we hooked them. We went from 11 to 6 to six listeners in about two minutes there. Let's uh, <laughs> let's get into the nerdiness for this week. Uh, we are going to chat about Home Builder Confidence Index and how you can create a transaction template to speed up your how fast you write your offers, but we're going to start with the builders and the nerdiness stuff today. Uh, tell us about the Home Builder Confidence Index and what it means and kind of what the metrics are for it. So there are builders out there, they get surveyed on a monthly basis, right? So around 900 home builders. So national builders, regional builders, things like that. And basically they are asked, how confident are you feeling right now? Um, it's an important question because, and we may get into this later, but um, as these guys know, and as some of the listeners know, building a home takes a lot of time. And so their confidence levels end up predicting the future market quite a bit because they're looking on like a 12-month time horizon, especially those that are building spec homes. Mm -hmm. For those that don't know what a spec home is, that's a home that's being built, brought to market without a buyer. So it's going to be completed and then try to, they're going to try to sell that to a consumer. Um, And so what we're seeing now is that the confidence index is starting to slip. So um, they use zero to 100 as their number. Uh, above 50 would be favorable. So 50 would be an average on an, on the index. And, and where are we seeing that index at if we were looking at right now? So right now, last month, I think it was at a 57. So technically, it's still favorable. 
That said, if you want to go back, um, so I think the last five years, it's only been below 53 times. So in April of 2020 and May of 2020, when, I mean, I we all thought the world was ending. We didn't know what we were doing half the days. Um, we were washing our groceries, you know. I, I think that was when the index dropped into the 30s. <laughs> Right, we used to bring our groceries yeah. home. We would wash them before we ate We'd, them because we thought put, COVID was on our food. We put, didn't know. Put bleach on them. Just yeah, I mean, so at that point, the, the index dropped way down. Um, the third time that's happened in the last five years was August. So it finally dropped, I think, under to 49. Um, so it's just one of those things where it was. It's it's technically right around that favorability spot, but it's been in the 70s and 80s until most recently. And I, before we get into uh, why agents should care about this, I also want to make sure that people can figure out where to find it. Can you, where would you, like if I wanted to track this, how would I track this each month? So you just Google it. There's graphs and charts out there. So it's National Index of Home Builders. Um, it's actually a Wells Fargo specific banking uh, metric. So they're the, the ones who sponsor it. The St. It. Louis Fed probably has this on their website too. They tend to have a lot of these yep. excellent charts and graphs. So The St. Yep. Louis Fed. Correct. You just look on that website, you should be able to find mm-hmm. it. Or if you just Google, like Josh said, Home Builder Confidence Index, you should see the you data. You should be able to yep. find it. And, and so tracking that each month is one thing, right? But un- why should agents know this and why should they care about it? How can it help their business? I'm, I mean, in, in the near term, right, we're starting to see builders. I know you recently had a builder that said, mm-hmm. hey, we're going to um, offer an aggressive buy-down option if you work with our a lender, right? So they had 299 intro rate the first year, 399 year two, and then 499 years three through 30. Mm-hmm. Um, we weren't seeing any of that for like two years. I mean, like I wasn't negotiating with builders since the middle of 2020. We were having auction, like they were basically auctioning off their new homes. They'd finish a house and then it'd be like, one of these five people will get it. We'll draw a name out of a hat. And, and so essentially you're saying that there there is some correlation between how confident builders are in the market and what that index looks like and maybe what they're offering from an incentive standpoint? Well, yeah, put yourself in the in the shoes of a builder. Let's say the builder is one of the pessimistic ones, right? So if we're at 49 right now, you'd say someone that says their answer to the question, again, I don't know how they're cum- like cumulatively making these statistics, but let's say they're in the 30 to 35 range on their confidence, okay? And let's say, for instance, they are national builder D.R. Horton, Mm -hmm. right? Just for an example. And they're saying, we're not super confident on what's going on, but we just built a 1,000 spec homes last month, and we have 600 of them finishing up, Mm -hmm. okay? And they're going, we're not confident on future building, so we're not going to start anything new really right now, maybe a few, but we're going to keep it super low. but when a buyer comes in here and I've got 600 that just finished, I'm gonna start trying to offload those as quick as I can. As long as I can make a decent margin on them, I'm gonna trim down the number of listings that I have. And so how do they do that? They offer these introductory rates, they offer agent incentives, they offer- Free finished you know, basement. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. We'll sod your backyard and put irrigation in, we'll do whatever, right, to get the deals done. Um, whereas last year, like Josh said, like I had one, it was a fun email, I was like, we flipped the coin, you guys won. Yeah. It's like, oh wow, great. You know, like just crazy stuff was happening. So if you're, so if I have a buyer reach out to me and say, hey, I'm looking at new builds, it'd be a situation where you could then go online, squeezy, Google, Builder Confidence Index. We're not supposed to bump the mics, AJ. We're not supposed to bump the mics. Zero to 10. Wasn't that funny? Hey, if that was funny, drop a comment. Let us know that was funny and we'll do it again (laughs) next time. Back up. So if I'm an agent and and someone reaches out and says, hey, I'm looking at new builds and you're a newer agent or you just don't know much about new builds, something where easily you can go online, Google Home Builder Confidence Index, figure out in the previous month what that number looked like, because I'd imagine a lot of the builders 
or all of them know what that number is each month because yep. they track that based on using it for their own knowledge. And you can then tell your client, hey, it's 55 right now. So just so you know, negotiation might be a little bit harder on this end because the builders find it that there's a lot of buyers in the market right now. They're coming and buying these places, so they don't need to. And if it's below, let's say 45, you can tell them, hey, this is a good time to get out there. Like we should be looking this month. Exactly, yeah, and, and they're gonna, the 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 number in the confidence is gonna be slightly lagging, right? So to your point, right, the reason the confidence is low is potentially because they have fewer people buying these homes. And the reason they're offering these deals is because they're going, oh shoot, we may have overbuilt from a supply standpoint, we got offloads in these AJ's point. And so you're gonna just tend to see high correlations between the deals you're being offered, your ability to negotiate on a new construction house and this confidence index. Can so I interject there? Yeah. You can negotiate on new construction homes, everybody, okay? This wasn't a thing for like two years. Three years ago, I put like 400 contract in the same neighborhood. My, my buyer saved like $100,000. So yes. this is a thing. So don't just go in there and the, it's just not like a sticker price. It's important to know because there are a lot of agents that got into the business two years ago. They might not know that. Like we're talking with a lot of our newer agents on the team about you can actually negotiate in inspections. Mm -hmm. That's a thing. There's different stuff coming out that they maybe haven't dealt with. So that's good to know. Yep. He interjected you over here. No, no, no. So he, he hit the point. No, the general gist of it is though, as this number gets lower, your ability to help buyers in the short term, right, find a deal on a new construction home or negotiate on those new construction home, you're gonna have more leverage in those conversations because they're less likely to be, you know, flush with buyers and limited inventory. So the the caveat that I'm struggling with there is that we talked about how when the number's lower, uh, they're gonna be more likely to maybe give us an incentive to, to buy a place, but when the number's lower, they're also gonna be building less houses, which you would argue if you pulled supply from the market and there wasn't much demand, it's gonna be harder for the buyer because there might be more buyers if there's less supply. Does that make sense? Um, and so when, like, wouldn't that mean they're just gonna build less houses and it's not gonna be as easy to buy a place? Can I take the front half of this one? Yes. Okay. Question. So I would just I would just say what I what I said at the beginning, which is it takes roughly eight to twelve months for a home to be built, and so there's probably about an eight to twelve month opportunity right now because homes have already been completed. Okay. So the already completed homes are where I think a lot of these deals are what you're going to be see happening. Yep. They may happen on these eight to twelve month. You know, you go in and pick a lot and pick a thing, and you probably can negotiate like normal. But I think a lot of the good opportunities and the good incentives are going to happen on the stuff that's already completed. But that's all I wanted to say. On that. Nope, that's a good point. And yes, the reason why this is also very important is a lot of this, to AJ's point, because homes take so long to build is very reactionary. So, okay, numbers were in the 70s, numbers were in the 80s, but that's not going to slow supply necessarily on the front end. But once the numbers start dipping, that's when you start having a problem a year from now. So what we saw was like in... Um, in the 85 to 2008 range, so that time frame, the number of homes being built and the index, they correlate like almost perfectly. You basically looked at the index, the higher the index was, the more homes were being built. And because the market was always very stable back then, you didn't see as many issues. Then as the market got better and better and better, we perceived to be better and better and better, dating up to 2008, building went up to all time highs and then it crashed. And because so many people got left on the builder side during that 2008 economic downturn, you saw a huge drop off and then we've seen a huge lag in terms of it getting back to where it needs to get to. So it's been really slow ramping up building since 2008 because so many people have still bad memories of what happened during that downturn. And so now we're getting to a point where it's finally feeling like 
we're catching back up closer to where we were historically in the 1.6, to 1.6 million homes per year on the builder side. But now as the metric is starting to come down a little bit and confidence is starting to get a little more concerning, it, it concerns me in terms of, are they gonna tighten again? Are we not gonna see the same amount of building happening? You layer in all the supply chain things and all the contractor things that are going on in the marketplace right now, and you just start to get a little bit nervous that it could signal few less supply, which has been the biggest problem we've been facing now for the last three years. And that's what I was, that was gonna be my next question there was, if you're talking about an index going down and the builders building houses, we we know, but just for the listeners, can you talk about like what home building does for inventory in a market and how important that is? Yeah, so a lot of people think like right now they're saying there's not enough homes on the market or inventory is increasing or decreasing or whatever they're saying, right? And they think that existing home sales is what's gonna drive inventory increasing, but they fail to understand that most existing home sales also uh, result in an existing home purchase. The amount of times that I have said, if you're a seller, you're also a buyer unless you die or move out of the area, right? Like, or, or you're rent. a landlord, or yes. you're a landlord. But it's not like people think that, oh, more houses are getting listed. That means the buyers are gonna buy them and then everything's gonna get back to normal. It's like, well, where are the sellers gonna go? They have to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. So unless they're moving markets, yep. or like you said, they're dying, or they're a landlord that's getting out of the rental game, they're they're a net zero to the yep. to the overall supply, whereas a builder is just one guy or one gal or whoever, one big company that's building one house and not buying anything. So you're net one on the builder side, right? So as confidence slips, uh, you know the concern is in a tightening supply market that things don't get better continues to go down. Yep. And so it would be almost an argument to think if people are thinking inventory is gonna go up, it might even get better on the buy side, but then each month now for the next three months, we see home builder confidence go down. We might be arguing that our inventory is gonna get worse debatably as long as buyers continue to be in the market. I know right now they're pulling back, but in general. That's exactly right. Yep, and so that's always the big concern. I mean, if you go back to 2008, when this all started, I think nationally we were at roughly 10 months of supply. So if you don't know what that metric means, we talked about it on the very first episode, AJ references it all the time, but essentially, if no other homes were added to the marketplace, how long would it take to sell all of the currently existing homes? So it was about 10 months worth of inventory. And now, what is, what, what is, like, where's the even keel number on the month supply? So 10 months in retrospect, like what's an even market? How many months? Five or six. Yeah. Five or six. And we're at we're at three nationally right now. Minnesota's been under two for a long time. 1.6, I yeah. think. Yeah, and it's higher. It was under one for the last year. Yeah, it's been going up. But so what everyone says is if you really dig into the th- things, people are saying home building is the biggest way to get out of this market. But if the home building isn't coming, due to whether it's supply chain or whether it's just concern about the marketplace in general, we could continue to see this type of chaotic market. Well, put, I mean, put yourself in the shoes of Johnny Home Builder. He builds 40 homes a year in Watertown, Mayor area. Think about, and, and keep in mind, the the greatest downturn in the history of our housing market in in I guess in uh, our lifetime would will probably be the greatest that we'll experience was only 14 years ago yep. right so Johnny Home Builder was 30 years Still old at the time houses, maybe yeah he's 30 years old at the time he went bankrupt or his family was, did or whoever he was trying to develop a 12 home mm-hmm. thing and it all went kaput right and now Johnny Home Builder's back on his feet he's been ticking along on this thing he's pretty confident now oh there might be a recession. You better believe Johnny Homebuilder's going, mm not doing this again. And following the each month's index, which he maybe isn't on, but DR Horton is, and he's going, well, if that's where their confidence level is, like, I should pull back. Exactly. I'm only going to build, I'm going to build only if somebody comes to me and wants to build a house. Yep, yeah. I'll hold my land until my buyer's here. 
And from a macro standpoint, that might seem like it's not going to affect it very much. He's at 40 houses, but from a micro standpoint in just the Twin Cities area, that's going to hurt us because there's a lot of those smaller builders. Exactly. exactly. So let's get into, I want to get into the script of the week about the Home Builder Confidence Index. For those who don't know, listen to our other episodes for some great scripts, but we each week want to give you something that you can say when you're with your friends, you're at a wedding, you're at the bar, and somebody brings up real estate. What can you say that's different than the normal normal agent? Or what can you say that's not, the market's super hot right now, or there's inventories increasing. How can you actually be the expert in that situation? So the, the, the scenario changed this week. We're not grilling out with friends anymore. We're actually at a wine night, <laughs> maybe playing Catan, maybe playing some games. Um, and someone mentioned that they had a horrible experience negotiating with their builder because uh, the builder just re- refused to give them any incentives uh, or other options. How can you mention the Home Builder Confidence Index in this situation where most people probably wouldn't even know what that was to be positioned as the expert uh, in the room in this situation. First off, can we comment on the fact that are you saying that people that do wine night have more money and can afford to build houses? <laughs> what are we? Then grilling out. What are we implying? I didn't even think about it. Okay. Just, what, what kind of wine is this? Yeah. Are you drinking boxed wine? Yes. Box, okay. box. Okay. Box, so it's, okay. Just, it's just a night with some people that are cool. Um, yeah. I mean, so you're saying they had a horrible experience and they didn't give them incentives or options. I would, I would ask the question like, oh, well, how long ago did you, you know, build your home? Six months. Oh, wow. Well, you know, um, we actually track the Home Builder Confidence Index super close. Do you know what that is? No, I've never actually heard of that. So not about 900 home builders across the country get surveyed every month. And based on how they answer a set of questions, they come out with a score that's zero to 100. An average market where builders are averagely confident, I don't know if averagely is a word or not, but I'm going to use it, um, would be 50, right? Well, about six months ago, that score was pretty high. It was like in the 70s and 80s. Yep. Um, so builders were going, things are great. Like we're marking up margins. We don't need to offer any incentives. If you don't want to buy it, I'll just sell it to the next person. So by confidence, you mean they think it's going to be easy to sell. Exactly. And so when you walked in their door, they said, okay, Bobby. You want to buy it? Here's the price. And you said, well, what about incentives? I want to negotiate. I want a, I want a washer and dryer, though. Yeah, well, Billy over here, he's right behind you. If you don't buy it, I'm just going to sell it to Billy, and he's not going to require me to give him a washer and dryer. But now, Bobby, if you'd have walked in there yesterday, unfortunately, they probably would have said, washer and dryer seems like a great deal for yeah, this. Yeah, we'll it's take that one. Only 1800 bucks. I can make that deal. You know, so I think understanding, uh, you know, where builders are at any given time and in the market is super important, understanding how that all works. Yeah. And on top of that, I mean, like ensuring that you have an agent connection that is uh, knowledgeable with the building process, has worked with clients that have done new construction before and knows how all of these different components play out is really important. So just make sure that you don't just select someone who walks you in and says, here you go. Talk to the talk to the builder's agent, get a deal done. I'll just be here if you need me. You know, actually making sure they're supporting you through that process. And now that you have that script, that can be you. One of you 11 listeners this week. <laughs> There's going to be at least 25. There might be 25 this week. You guys are going to crush that. Um, that's enough nerdy economics for the day. Let's get into transaction templates. And I wanted to start off and was kind of surprised by the notes in here, which I think Josh had put on there. I'm curious how long it takes you to write you're, an you're offer, so, how fast you can do it. Are you saying I'm slow or are you saying? Josh put 20 to 30 minutes and I was looking in here going, if we were having a competition to see who could write the fastest offer, I think I'm definitely under 15. <laughs> I think I will win. 
Yeah, I'm not just, I really like to make my list and check it twice to sure. ensure that my clients get everything that they need and I spend the time appropriately supporting go. them. Yes, but if we were doing a competition, I think we might be able to beat that. Yes. Assuming that you you know do the offer correctly, don't miss any boxes because we all know that's a big no-no. But the reason it works really well is to Luke's point about transaction templates, we can take all of our forms in Minnesota, I'm assuming everyone can do this nationwide, and build out essentially templates. So I actually have, I think, eight templates that I use because there are different types of offers that I tend to write consistently. So I can just go in and be like, I'm picking this template because there's no CIC on this one and there's no this on this one, right? And just have it pop up immediately, have all the boxes checked kind of pre-ready for me and be able to run through that pretty quickly with a couple of inputs. And so it does allow to be just way more efficient on that front. And for those in Minnesota then, for just go through like basic step-by-step, step, how would you make a transaction template based on what we know and what how they can do that? On Authentisign. How, how would they make how it? How would they make it? They don't know. If I'm in Minnesota right now and I don't have a transaction template, teach them how to make a transaction template. Talk them through it. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a if you go into Instanet, there's the little gears on the left side. You click on that. Um, there's a section that says templates. You click on that. You load the forms in. And you basically just save each form like you're doing an offer, right? So you fill out your purchase agreement. We tend to fill out sections like, um, you know, our appraisal clauses included on every single financing deal. Um, we don't fill out things like closing date, purchase price, things like that, because they're always changing. But there's certain things, boxes you check, like um, tax assessments, things like that. It's like, okay, we always check seller shall pay, so let's just check that on every single one of them. If we have a contract or a situation that's different than that and we need to alter the contract, um, we can always change that portion. But stuff that's staying the same on 80 to 90% of the contracts, we're going to have it be checked off already. And I think another cool thing about that, that you can go in and kind of check the boxes you're already going to check, especially for newer agents, is you can ensure if you sit down with an agent that's written a lot of offers yep. and you just go through the transaction template that you're not going to make mistakes. And we talked about this today, someone who submitted an offer on your listing and they made all these mistakes and the offer was confusing, it didn't make any sense, you're less likely to want to work with them because you're less confident they can get the deal to closing and that's what you want for your sellers, Absolutely. right? Um, the other thing on top of that on the templates we have is there is a way now, especially in Minnesota, to add the clauses in there so yep. you can just automatically add certain stuff in. For those who don't know that, that would be like appraisal gap, language, um, inspection language, if you're not negotiating over a certain dollar amount. So how do you do that? Yeah, so you, the same way, you just create your own clauses. They're they're brilliant though in the sense that like you have a lot of these offers, especially when the market was com competitive, where you're adding in an escalation clause or you're adding in a, we will not negotiate unless a material defect over X number of dollars is found. So instead of writing you know, four sentences or copying it from the last one, we can write language, put it as a clause, and then we can share that with our whole team too. So we got 20 agents that now have access to you know, relatively solid legal language that helps them in inspection capacity. So, and all they gotta do is click on clause, change a few numbers, and they've got that language and their offers will look very sharp, but also be very efficient in terms of the way to do them. Exactly, and you'll make sure you're not missing anything kind of in the long term. You can get stuff in quickly if you are hitting deadlines. Um, that's all we have this week for the Nerdy Agent Podcast. That's episode four. That was One our... Month that was our Funniest episode. That was a funny one month in, infinity months to go. Infinity months. <laughs> I Luke, added, Luke added some humor at the end. That was he good. did. That was funny. <laughs> oh, super good. Let's make it a great week, fellow nerds. We'll see you next time. Mm -hmm.